Hello and welcome to JudgeCast. This is episode 232. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Perlman. I'm joined this evening with Brogan King. Hello. Hello. And today we're going to be talking about um, the IPG updates from uh, M20. Uh, uh, we're going to go in the ins and outs. <laughs> oh no, Brian, you pulled up the wrong show notes. Oh, I did. Oh, um, well, has there, has there been anything else uh, in the in the community recently that's uh? Mm, well, there was a mythic championship, okay, and that Barcelona. was cool. Yeah. But um, we've also got the the elephant in the room. Oh, uh, yes. So uh, uh, last week we're recording on eight uh, six right now. Last Monday, uh, there was a series of articles that came out, a series of announcements. Uh, talking about the future of the judge program. So we're going to be talking about that this evening. And uh, so just a quick summary of what the changes are is uh, on October 1st, uh, wizard support for the judge program is going to be uh, ending. And there is going to be a new uh, organization in in its place uh, called the Judge Academy. Um, and to talk about that this evening, uh, we have two guests. Uh, we have Tim Shields and Nicolette Apprise. It's us. Hi. Hello. Hello. So before we get into the real meaty part of the episode uh, where we talk about the uh, Judge Academy, can you give our listeners a sense of like who you were or are in your post-Judge Academy life? Do you mean... Do you want pre or post? Because I think both are probably relevant. Sure. Oh, sure. Both. So let's see. My name's Tim Shields, and I started playing Magic um, in Olympia, Washington, slightly before Magic was released. Players and who were playtesting came down and showed me the game um, right before Alpha, and Magic has been dominating my my life ever since. I've been I've been a retailer. I was lucky enough to work at Wizards of the Coast, helping design, organize, play for a couple of years. Um, and, but you know, I've I've kind of my career has been a mix of doing mental health work. I'm a master's level counselor, and I I left Wizards to go back and do mental health work for a couple of years. But I wanted to get keep my hands in it, so I opened another store. And eventually started running premier events um, in Oregon, and it just kind of spiraled from there. I've run as a pr- premier event uh, organizer. I've run events for, I don't know, a decade and a half um, in both the United States and Europe. And at this point, with my company's called Cascade Games, and I, although I haven't retailed for years and years, I run events at, let's see, last year we probably did 25 or 30 different conventions and did events there. And that's pretty much my gig. Uh, I am Nicolette Apprise. I am a level three judge. I just moved. I'm in the current process of moving from Atlanta to Portland. And I... I'm currently the regional coordinator for the USA Southeast region. I have been a judge for 
a little over five years. I travel around a lot and have worked a number of events in a number of different continents and been a part of a bunch of projects for the judge program. My recent move uh, is for, obviously, for Judge Academy. I'm going to be acting as the judge program manager. So I'll be running the day-to-day operations of the Magic Judge program. And thank you again for agreeing to do that. It's awesome to have you on board the team. Yeah. All right. So we're going to get into uh, a few uh, questions. Actually, when I say a few, we've got a list of questions uh, that we're going to have for you about the Judge Academy. Before we get into that, I do want to talk a little bit about um, as we ask these questions of of Tim and Nicolette, uh, Brogan and I both feel that it's important to disclose our relationships uh, to the Judge Academy up front and in advance. Currently, uh, I am one of the judge program uh, program coordinators. So we had between the program coordinators and Tim, we had several conversations before these announcements. Um, and also, uh, I was a- I was asked to be on the board of advisors for the Judge Academy. Uh, Brogan, uh, I myself um, am married to um, Eric Dustin Brown, who will be the um, community manager for the eastern part of the U.S. So while I am not directly myself related to Judge Academy, I am married to someone who does, or who is. So that is that is worth noting and worth taking into account um, just so we can be as transparent as possible as we go into this um, interview. So I guess I guess the first question is so there were a bunch of announcements uh, last last week there was there was four uh, Wizards of the Coast made one the program coordinators made one uh, Judge Academy made one there was uh, I think Channel Fireball made one as well so what what is the Judge Academy what's what's its sorry what is Judge Academy what is its purpose so Judge Academy is our answer to everything that's happening in October. And our goal is to make things better for judges in general. So we will be, you know, as for what need we're going to be doing or what purpose we're serving, we're going to be primarily focused on certifying and training judges uh, the same way the program does now. But we're going to be using and utilizing an online learning platform to do a lot of that. We are still, our goal is still going to include having and fostering the community that is so important to the program. Uh, And so we are wanting to make sure that everything that people love and are passionate about in where things are now gets transferred over to Judge Academy. So I guess our purpose in general is to make things better for judges and by extension players and tournament, you know, tournament organizers by giving them training and knowledge that they need to become better judges and therefore become better ambassadors for the game itself. Um, We also hope to extend 
that outside of magic and path and take some of the really important soft skills and tournament logistics that judges are known for and transfer that into different games and different organized play structures because watching a magic judge go through a tournament there's so many skills and so many lessons learned that people have that become common knowledge and it's really it's exciting to take those skills and open up additional opportunities for judges and additional revenue streams if that's something you want to do as a job so So can i give an example of that sure make it concrete when i talk to publish companies that publish uh that publish games that are esports okay one of they they have lots of problems that are very that are very similar to the kinds of problems that traditional trading card game publishers have um you know even if the rule part of it is encoded into the game and we don't need uh, folks to do direct rulings all of the pl- player behavior all of the event logistics stuff still is a, is a huge area of need and judges are just are fantastic at doing those things and right now esport publishers don't know where to get the staff that they need to help them and one of the pieces of feedback that i think we get frequently a- around judging is judges would like to judge more and so what I'm hoping we're going to do is move out of a zero-sum game where there's only so many slots to judge and instead dramatically increase the number of, of events that judges can judge, both in paper games, um, tabletop, and in esports. All right. So is it, is it, is it fair to say that, that Judge Academy is a response to uh, both the changing uh, of the relationship between Wizards of the Coast and the judge program uh, and to, to, a, to a lesser degree, just the, the needs of pu- the different publishers and hoping, hoping to extend magic judge skills into other domains. I'm going to tell you a little story because I'm an okay. old guy and right. that's my prerogative. Little stories. We'll cross the old guy. I get to tell stories. We wouldn't be here if we didn't like stories. Yeah. Excellent. So a long time ago, a, more than 20 years ago, I was sitting in a cubicle at Wizards of the Coast um, as part of a team helping to design organized play for the first time. And my particular part was um, my particular part was being the project manager for a, a league system that eventually became known as the Arena League for Magic and rolled out globally. But one of the thing one of the things that we were working on was how do you have enough judges? And the judge program was just starting up at that time. And to be honest with you, I had some philosophical problems with how the judge program was designed from day one. And I have, I have been politely but firmly trying to advocate for changes in the judge program since, since literally before it was rolled out. And so... Your question is, you know, your question is, uh, what was the cause of this? Well, part of it is I've been hoping and wanting some changes to happen to the judge program since before it was a thing. And 
you know, and, and then what prompted the opportunity to help make some of these changes? Well, it's it's in part a response to what's going on, what's going on now. It's partially a response to what's needed in the overall, you know, in in publishing and tabletop and all of that. But some of it is, I just want, I want to fix the, I know that Nicolette and I can't fix everything. There's lots of things we can't change in the world because there's lots of things outside of our, our control. But the things that we can fix, I'd like to fix those. And that and that's really, at least my desire, is to make life better for judges and the overall community. That is both a story and an answer. So that's worked perfectly. <laughs> Who knows? Um, that also... Now, now that we have an understanding of why Judge Academy exists and what what need it's fulfilling, how is it organized? What does the structure look like to be able to make all this happen? Okay, so I'm afraid I'm going to have to tell you a bunch of stories as as we go. <laughs> okay. But there, there's there's a thing there. Okay, um, so let's start out with Judge Academy. I believe one of the problems in the judge program from day one is that the judge program puts a, has traditionally placed a huge burden of work on members of, of the judge program, particularly L, L3 and at one time it was L3 pluses. And I don't think it's fair to, um, I don't think it's fair to ask that level of work from from judges and particularly from folks who aren't being paid. I believe that the judge program should be a professionally managed organization where full-time paid people do the work that needs to be done rather than asking folks to volunteer, particularly if it's not clear what the, the actual legal organization of an organ of, of the judge program was right. It's is it a nonprofit or not, or how does that work? And so, so I wanted to. That was one of the one of the things I wanted to fix. And so, what I did was start out by writing down some principles. And one of them is we're going to pay people for the work that they do for the program, at least for the work that we ask them to do for the program. And so, we will have a cadre of people who are full-time professional folks who are responsible for the day-to-day operation of the program. Now, realistically, the vast majority of those people are going to be judges because there's no way folks who could – they're going to be magic judges because there's no way folks who aren't magic judges could, could do the job. But I'm hoping what we're going to get is an increase in professionalism and an increase in responsiveness and and a just a better program by having full-time staff and right now um let's see we've we've got chris pompeo as a he's a full-time paid staff person working on as a project coordinator um for the software side of the organization and then we have a a programming house that's developing the software for the e-learning platform and more We've got Nicolette, who's already introduced herself, who is the person who's responsible for re- relationships in the community, supervising the um, the community managers um, and um, and just general and and general policy and operations within within the program. Uh, Kyle Knutson, 
who is a longtime judge um, and uh, has, has done nearly everything you can do in the world of, of judging. Uh, Kyle's a senior project manager for us. Um, and then, and all of those folks are judges. Um, Eric Reisner, who is a longtime player and, um, and has done a lot of work on the publishing side, is helping me as a project manager and also doing a lot of the business stuff we have to do to get up and running and also have relationships with, uh, with with uh, with with other publishers beyond beyond magic, and then we have a group of community managers. How many or do we have right? Ten. Now? We have ten community managers right now, who are they, those folks are not full time, um, and we can talk about that at some point if that's helpful. And then we also have a board of advisors. We're in the process of, uh, and those the board of advisors is a board of folks to give us feedback and give us their wisdom and guidance. Um, and those are folks from the magic community, from the magic judging community. And then we've got another board of advisors we're working on right now that's going to be a um, folks from publishing and publishing and you know ter- the publishing and tournament organizer and retailer world so that we can make sure that we're, we're meeting the needs of, of those stakeholders too. So those folks are there to sort of steer you in the right direction, give you a reality check if you need to and help steer the boat as needed. Absolutely. I mean, ultimately, ultimately within the world of, of magic and the organizational structure is going to get a little more complicated as we roll out with other games, but let's, uh, at least for now, if it's something within the world of magic, um, the feedback would move from judges to um, to the community managers, and then to Nicolette, who would be in charge of who is in charge of making sure that the program does what the community needs it to do, and um, and then and then ultimately to me after that. But in truth. Nicolette is going to be the person who is the primary decision maker about most of the aspects of the magic part of the community. Um, and then I will be in charge of, you know, all of the, all of the stuff people think of as boring. <laughs> the, the working with lawyers, the accountants doing business development and con- contracting with other publishers and expanding this. Awesome. So we've covered a little bit about what Judge Academy is going to be doing um, a little bit in the e-learning platform and connecting judges with ways to learn and new opportunities. In addition to that, what sort of services does Judge Academy provide or will it provide? Okay. So one way to think about this is, you know, because people keep asking what's What's, you know, what's a good analogy to understand this? Um, And the way to think about this is this is a professional services organization. This is an organization. What we're striving to do is help help bring professional leadership to people who are to people who are who are who are judges starting with that with magic judging. And I think where people are going to encounter us and interact with us. Most is first through the website and the e-learning platform, and then secondarily conferences. I personally love conferences, 
And I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity for us to take conferences up to a new level. Um, I think we're going to do more conferences. I think there's an opportunity to make conferences better. I think we're going to be able to do things like bring in um, bring in more qualified folks to do presentations. So, for instance, one of the things that I'd really that I I want to do, I have every intention of doing, um, is bringing in you know people like accountants. Like if every every um, at least every traveling judge um, should have heard how to do their taxes and what they can do, can can deduct and what they cannot deduct um, in order as they do their books. And I think that you know accountants want to do community development work. It's part of their certification requirements, and so we're going to bring those kind of folks in into conferences. Um, another piece to show our focus on conferences. Every year there's going to be um, 10 judge foils. So we're going to have an increase in the number in the, in the distinct number of foils. Right. Uh, and what we, what we've decided to do is reserve two of those foils where they will be, they will be used um, as a reward for folks who attend conferences. And hopefully that, is a way of demonstrating our commitment to conferences, and it also hopefully makes attending conferences more viable. For, well, for anybody who's a certified judge, um, because you know, back in the day, we used to have air, we used to have more events that brought judges together. Pre-releases were a great opportunity. You know, what is it, seven plus years ago, for the entire judging community to come together in a state. And now we don't have the equivalent of states and regionals and, and the large pre-releases. And so we've really got to leverage the conferences to bring, to, to bring people together. We're also investigating another, a number of other um, advantages for, uh, uh, for membership, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold on to those. Just know that there's lots of good stuff in the works. <laughs> that's that's uh, for future us. Yes, that's a teaser for the next time we're on the show. <laughs> Um, if you'll have us back, we'll see. <laughs> um, so the way you're talking about this makes it sound similar to a union. Is Judge Academy a judge union? You know, it's funny. I went to Gen Con this weekend and I was talking with, with I was having meetings with judges. And the number one thing I heard from judges is that they want a union. And I completely understand and even have a fair degree of sympathy for that, for that desire. Um, and but. Well, yep, there's a <laughs> there's, but coming. There's a big old but here. Yeah. I am not the person to bring you your union, but if you want a union, you can have a union and we are not going to do anything at all to stand in, in the way of that. That's on you. But there's a couple and but, 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 Here's the, the challenge. We want to roll out globally as quickly as we can. So we want one judge program to cover the, to cover the entire world. Um, we want to make sure that everything we do is fully in, cordon, in accordance with the law. And we, there simply is not a legal structure to be a global union. The laws are different in... Every there, there's every country has different laws. Some of those laws conflict with them with with each other, 
and you just don't get to be a union in China, a union in North America, and a union in Europe and have it all be one union. It just, it it literally is not possible. Also, the um, what, as I was talking with judges, you know, what happened was there's, I think with many cases, not all, but in many cases, when people say what they want is in a union, what they really want is they want changes in how judging works. And they think of a union as a way to do that. And but what they don't want is some of the negative effects of unions that I like, for instance, one of the things that uh, that unions do by their very nature, unions create a monopoly on labor. OK, that's what a, a union does. Everybody has to follow the same work rules, be paid in the same way, have the same conditions. And what that does is it raises it. And then you're in a position to go to the employers negotiate a contract with them and raise and raise what workers are being paid. And honestly, I am all for judges getting paid more money. That I I think that it would be just a completely good thing. And what I can what I have to say is a, a large percentage of the folks who are employing judges simply don't have the money to pay them. So if if what we were talking about is Hmm, we're going to speak with one voice and talk to premier tournament organizers or something like that, then that may, might make sense. But if we're going to form a union and what we're going to do is go to mom and pop stores, many of whom are on the verge of, uh, of, of, of having to close and we're going to charge more money, they pro- they, we're going to put them in a position where either they're going to go out of business or they're going to choose not to use a judge. And I would prefer not to put people in that position. Well, and I think uh, I think one of the things that happens in the judge community, at least now, uh, is that people find mutually beneficial circumstances and, and decisions together. And so I don't know if I, I'm speaking to, you know, all of the judges that are, are listening I don't know any judge who hasn't at least, you know, w- answered some questions at an FNM in exchange for entry or a soda or whatever's going to work. And if it becomes more work, then, you know, they or they might get store credit or those conversations are highly dependent on the amount of work that's being done and uh, the time investment and what you believe your time is worth. Um, what we are going to do is, you know, one of our, w- one of the things we're looking into, like Tim mentioned, is uh, teaching people how to be better prepared for some of that so that if, if there isn't a union or anything, you're still, uh, judges are still empowered with information on, you know, how to manage their relationships with TOs or, um, accounting purposes to make sure that we can give them information. Um, but the union idea, it kind of is out of scope for us. Well, it's, it's, let's, I want to be really honest. Okay. I want to be blunt and honest about this. You don't get to do a union globally. You just don't get to. Now, each country, you could organize unions if you want, as you want. But right now, we exist in a context where 
at least one publisher, Wizards of the Coast right now, does not require a, a certified judge for any event that, that they sanction. I, you know, I may not be a fan of that, but, you know, when we talk about the scope of what we can do and what we can't do, I can advocate, I can talk, I can beg folks at Wizards, but I don't get to change their policies. That's, that's their policy, and they develop their policy internally for whatever reasons they do. Okay, but that is what that is. So what can we do about that? And the first thing we're going to do about this is we are going to go on an ongoing permanent campaign. This is not going to be a, a thing we do once and forget. We're, I am making a commitment that as long as I'm associated with Judge Academy, I am going to advocate as strongly as I can to explain to retailers to, and to explain to every organizer who runs an event why they get a better event why they will make ultimately, because they're business people, at least some of them, they will make more money for their store or for their event if they have certified judges and if they pay those judges a reasonable market rate. Honestly, personally, and I know Nicolette said, you know, some of the judges out there are judging for free tournament entry and this and that and the other thing. I'm kind of uncomfortable about that. I want judges to be paid well for what they do. I also know the reality is some of the employers can't do that today. Well, I'm going to go to Gamma, and we're currently we're currently applying for both a booth and some panels at Gamma. Gamma, I should say, is a trade show of publishers and retailers in the industry, and I'm going to go talk with them directly about why they need to have judges, what judges can bring to events. And how the, that will actually make their make their businesses stronger. And as somebody who has done an awful lot of retailing, has run an awful lot of events, I think I'm in a pretty solid position to make that argument for folks. We're also, as we talk about what the requirements are going to be, and and what for that matter, what the electives, which Nicolette will get into more, is um, for L1 judges. We're going to do that with an eye towards. How do we deliver? How do we make sure that judges who choose to can deliver much more value for the retailers, and that way the retailers will be in a position to share that value back with the judges. And I think we so. Though I guess in summary, right? Because I've gone on at some length here, right? The truth is, we don't get to be a union, but we get to we get to we get to hopefully start changing the economics of this industry so that retailers have more more events, more money, and then they can pay their judges better. All right. So this Sorry, this, now that was kind of long, but it's it's absolutely crucial. So mo- moving into that uh we've we've talked about what the judge academy then is going to, uh to provide at least at a at a high level um as I as I understand it and part of the announcement uh, that this is going to be a membership fee-based organization, a dues-based organization. Uh, so we're going to pay into that. And so the question, the question is, uh, how much, how much are, how much are dues? And then what, what can we expect? You know, the 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 judges who are paying these dues, what can we in- expect for uh, in exchange for our dues? Sure. Uh, so membership dues scale by level 
um, for a number of reasons. But to start, um, level one is uh, $100 for the year. Uh, there is a rules advisor level that can be either free or paid. Uh, that is $50 for the year and includes some swag, uh, but... With the paid level. Yes, um, with the paid level includes some swag. Um, and then for level one, it's 100. For level two, it is 200. And for level three, it is 400. And those are prices for the year. And what you end up getting for that um, is obviously access to the e-learning content on the site. Um, you also get swag, um, you know, whether that's branded merchandise with Judge Academy or um, other goodies that we are still figuring out. Uh, you'll be getting mailings twice a year, and those will include uh, our judge promos. So the judge promos are going to be the eight foils that, uh, so the 10 not including the two that are specifically for conferences, um, but you'll be getting a mailing of four in mid-January and a mailing of four in mid-July. That's six months later. Math. Um, and those mailings also scale by level. Uh, so if you are a level one, you will receive one set of those foils uh, each mailing. Level two, two sets. Level three, four sets. Um, we also know that um, judge shirts are a really important part of the judge identity. Uh, so we haven't figured out exactly how we're going to incorporate those um, into the program, but we do know that it is something that we have to have an answer for and have to include in some way, whether that's um, through membership dues as part of one of the mailings um, or and or the ability to purchase uh, additional ones. Along with shirts under that same category is name tags. Um, a lot of judges both wear them around their local store, when they travel around to events, um, when they go to conferences. Uh, it is, again, a, a part of what we consider the judge identity. And so it's really important for us uh, to have people thinking that, you know, not only are they this store's judge, uh, but they're a Judge Academy judge and they're a member of this program. So with the membership dues, um, including all of those in some way are going to be really important for a helping a judge feel as though they are connected to the community and proud to be a part of the community. Okay. So we're we're gonna talk a, a little bit about a little bit uh, later on about what sort of the the content is gonna be available when you guys turn on and uh, 
uh, throughout the and adding the content throughout the year. So I'm gonna put a hold on that for just a second. Uh, instead, so the dues are for a rules advisor zero or fifty dollars, and then one hundred, two hundred, or four hundred dollars, depending on if you're level one, two, or three. Um, that's there's a little bit of a sticker shock involved in that, uh, especially especially in given the fact that. Uh, the current judge program, you know, you, you, you get access to tests and you have mentors and stuff like that. And you don't, um, uh, you don't pay have for that. It. What's that? You don't pay for it. Right. Well, somebody's paying for it. Right. So, so right now, and I think that, I think you actually did this math for me. Um, but there's, there's somewhere between, uh, not including foils for conferences or anything like that. But there's somewhere between three hundred thousand and three hundred and fifty thousand um, dollars that is that are contracted cash uh, that supports the current program, and that's not including all of the people that do a ton of work for free. Um, and so, you know, restructuring in such a way that we can, without that support, without that monetary support. Um, restructuring in a way where we need to get help from the community and have the community come together to create a fund to use for necessary infrastructure of the program. Um, yes, those things are something that currently exist. Ideally, what we are providing is uh, one you know, having e-learning modules um, is is a huge step. I don't know for for many people who take exams. There's always some sort of thing they have to do on the side to help prepare, um, and most of that comes from judges that are doing stuff f- and hard work for free. I am just as as an aside uh, in some of the work that we're doing in the PC, we're still finding position things like oh and form moderators and stuff like that. So it's, it's, we're, we're still discovering people. Um. <laughs> and, and let me, can I jump in here, Brian, for a second? Sure. So I, I have always been uncomfortable with the amount of work. And I, I know some of the judges really want to want to participate. They want to help steer the ship. And I get that. But I'm really uncomfortable with the, and always have been, with the amount of work that judges have been asked to do. And over the years, particularly L3 judges, have told me things like either I'm going to need to step down from the judge program, either I'll need to step down to a lower level, or I'm going to step away altogether. And friends of mine have left the judge program and just aren't there anymore because they're because the workload isn't compatible with having a job, particularly a demanding job, and a family, right? It's just, it's too much to do. And we're going to have a different business model with everybody. And I know that, you know, sometimes folks get uncomfortable calling it a business model, but it is. And what we're going to do is we're going to pay people for the work they do. We're not going to ask people to work for free. And, and so we, in order to do that, we need to have money. And that money can only come from two places. And one per place it can come from is publishers, which is hard to do. 
it's very hard to get publishers to to, to write a check. Um, and the other place you, it can come, come from is from members. And so what we set out to do is to say, how can we give members in the organization what we feel like is a fair bargain? And so if you asked me this question, I think Nicolette answered it really well, but I would take a slightly different approach to it. What I would say is the number one thing your dues are going for is so that you can belong to an organization that is that it, that you can be proud of being part of. It's an ethical organization, and it pays people for the work they do. and And we will pay people for the content they deliver, they develop for us. We will pay people for the way the wages for the work they do for us. And then, in terms of, and, and I think that alone gives you, like, you know. As a, as a counselor, I belong to professional organizations. Uh, at, at Gen Con, I was talking to one of the judges who's a teacher, uh, you know, belongs to a professional organization. Some of them are nonprofits. Some of them are for-profits. What they all have in common is they ask their or, their members for, uh, for support. And what we're going to do is give people a really good value. We're going to give them awesome conferences. We're going to give them a really good e-learning uh platform that includes a ton of a ton of content we're going to do our best to step up that content to a new a new level we're going to get we're going to do advocacy within the uh within the industry in order to create more opportunities for folks to judge we're going to be out in front um at shows at where the places where retailers and organizers are to continually argue in in the interests of judges and the in the interest in the interests of professionalizing and becoming more, you know, getting other folks to recognize the amazing contribution that uh, that judges make. And, you know, the other thing we should also talk about is for every publisher that comes on board, one of the th- requirements they're going to have to meet is they've got to do something that makes judges smile. Now, not every publisher in the world has the ability to create completely awesome judge foils, right? Some of them do, some of them don't. But every, every, I, what I, I was just at Gen Con having meetings with publishers and we got a lot of really good feedback on that. I thought it was really positive. I've got a lot of cool stuff that I can't talk about yet, but hopefully you'll have me back. And one of those things that I'm telling them, if you, that you've got to make the judges excited about judging you their game. You're judging your game. And so that means you've got to create swag that judges actually want that they're excited about. And so what we're going to be able to do as, as time goes on is we're going to be able to help delight judges by giving them more work. And we're going to be able to give them really cool swag things. And I think the, Four cards that have been announced are super cool, and I think the remaining ten cards for uh, for next year that haven't been announced are even cooler. And although Wizards won't let me tell you what those are yet, they they are all super super cool. Back me up on that, Nicolette. Yes, they are super cool. Well, and and I think one thing that I just want to tack on to the end of that is um, with regards to fees. Uh, is that I've had a number of people ask me, well, why, why does it need to go up? Why can't, why isn't it a flat fee? And 
right now we're, we're restructuring a lot of level one to, and it was getting restructured anyways. And we're, you know, taking all of that into consideration as well. But, um, when you think about the amount of work, um, just the amount of work currently that goes into the level three process, um, and the amount of people that are currently looking over at looking over PEIs and doing panel prep and creating scenarios and all of that. Um, I think it's, it's very fair to say that there's a lot more that needs to be done to support having level three. Uh, and so the sticker shock is, is definitely there and it's definitely something that, um, we know needs to be acknowledged. Um, but I think that anyone who, the, the people that are going to be paying those higher amounts, the, the level threes, um, I think any of them, when they look at what is current, what the current process is and all this, all the amount of hours that go into that, I, I think for probably 30 to 40 hours for every candidate that comes through. And that's, that's a lot. So um, it is sticker shock and I know it is. And but I think it scales based on not only level, but the amount of work that goes in and the amount that it currently and in the future will need to depend on people that are outside the organization or bringing in people in order to help uh, train and certify those people. Okay. Uh before we move on to the the next question, is there there's going to be there's been a question about is there going to be a payment plan? That was for my main answer. Um, so there's there's actually let me let me reframe this slightly because there's actually when when I was this although this came up in the Reddit AMA um, that was so much fun to do uh, and then it at Gen Con folks were saying this frequently they they are our judges strongly want a model that has a sponsorship model where a tournament organizer, uh, a, a retailer, whoever it is, um, can sponsor, uh, can sponsor judge, can sponsor judges fees. Um, I, we, I've asked, uh, Chris, our, our project manager in terms of programming to make sure we have that feature, um, at launch, I'm hoping what it ends up looking like is next to my name as a judge, <clears throat> there's a spot for a flag um, of whoever sponsored the uh, f- sponsored that judge, so that there can be a public statement. Uh, uh, a, a public statement. It's it would be a way for a tournament organizer or retailer, whoever, to make a public statement that they support judging and that particular judge. I'll I'll see what the programmers come back with, but that's. That's what I'm asking for. And I think that's going to address an awful lot of the concern about payment plans within the United States. I, I, my sense is, I should say, within the United States, Europe, and Japan. I think that does a, an awful lot of it. Um, the uh, Just a little other detail about this. This doesn't – having somebody choose to sponsor you um, does not – change where we ship the foils to 
Okay, your support is yours. If somebody agrees to sponsor you, um, that's cool. They don't get your foils. Whatever you do with your foils is uh, is up to you. But it's it's not a it's not some kind of thing where in order to give in order to give sponsorship you lose your foils or something like that. Because that that was a concern I heard. Um, the other part is I I am certain that a payment plan is something we need to figure out when we're rolling out in countries where 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 the economies are in different places. Um, so our initial wave covers of rollout covers the United States and Canada, um, most most of the population centers of Europe, um, although certainly not all of them, and Japan. At, at, at we're going to roll out and cover first Latin America, at least my expectation is first Latin America, um, and then start adding on more areas in Asia. Um, as we do that, we're going to look more and more seriously at trying to figure out uh, whether or not other payment plans are are desirable and, and helpful and what people need and not. And I don't I don't know what to do about that yet. Um, we're going to we're going to be working on that as we go. That makes sense. Okay. Um, all right. Now that we have a, a sense of what's going on with membership fees. Um, so we hit October one. There's no more judge program. Um, well, there's yes, gonna Brian. Be, there's, it's it's there's going to be a legacy. There's still <laughs> going to be judge apps. There's still going to be unsupported regions that are that we, we we're working on figuring out. So the judge program yeah. will no longer exist in the capacity we're currently looking at it. Okay, thank you. Uh-huh. That's <laughs> that, you know um, what, I mean, that's a great way to say it because it, it gets to the heart of it, right? That that. The judge program, as supported by Wizards of the Coast, ceases operations on October 1. That doesn't mean anybody loses their judge level. That doesn't mean the apocalypse happens. It it just means that the support from Wizards for that organization ceases. Right. We're, we That does not take away the collective community and knowledge that exists for judges. Right. Um, Which is really important because people keep asking – Hey, do I lose my level? You know, as if as if we had either the power or the desire to make someone lose their level, right? I mean, you your level is yours. You've achieved that, and and there's not a mechanism for that. Well, you beat me to my question in that I'm sorry. It, no, no, it just so I imagine there's exactly like you said, people who are concerned that they're going to lose their level. Do you have to recertify at that time? How does that change over from I'm a level two now to what will I be on October 1st? What do I have? Do people have to recertify? Uh, So I can answer that. Uh, If you are currently a judge, um, when we go live in your area, uh, as soon as you sign up, You'll, you'll basically have six months from the point in which we uh, we turn on and are operating in an area to sign up and you know pay dues. And if there is a discrepancy in uh, where the current level system is and where we 
we, we as Judge Academy have set that bar. Uh, we will give you time during that six months to uh, do any supplemental activity. Uh, but your level will port straight over uh, from the current judge program. And part of that is that, you know, there was a level redefinition coming and we've incorporated a ton of that for level one into um, into the Judge Academy level one certification. So if you if when you port over on October one, if you are a level one, you might have you will get ported in as a level one. uh, And then you'll have some decisions to make. Right. Do you are you a level one because you are uh, a person that you that people ask questions to to. Uh, the at your local store level or are you uh somebody who travels around or are you somebody who runs the entire events um and for level ones there's going to be some additional soft skill lessons that people will need to take in order to kind of supplement um their current not their current knowledge, because most L1s have that, but their current expectation level. Because right now, we the set bar for level one and the actual bar for level one is kind of very different. Because you'll listen to a lot of L2s that say, oh, well, if I test a level one, I'm going to make sure they know X, Y, and Z. And those things are above and beyond what the current level system says should be required of L1s. Um, and we kind of agree with those people that are testing those L1s, a lot of those soft skills. The others. So, oh, go ahead. This, this, is, this is a thing where I, I want to I highlight where Judge Academy, when, you, when an L1 signs up, there might have to be some supplemental activities or something along those lines. Those were... If we look at how if the judge if we look at the future where the judge program was continuing on, that was actually very similar to what the L one redef was going to be. Like it it got put on hold because this came along, and we didn't necessarily think it was um, appropriate to do a judge program level one redefinition, and then a few months later, something else you know Judge Academy comes along and changes everything again. But there absolutely was going to be a raising the bar of L1, requiring some additional activities going in and recognizing the fact that, you know, we, we need level ones to be more than rules and jar experts. You know, we, we want them to we wanted them to uh, be more well-rounded. And while we didn't want to de-emphasize rules and knowledge of the jar, we wanted to re-emphasize other aspects of judging. Uh, um, so the this, things that aren't just answering rules questions and, and right. being right. on the tournament floor. So, so in, in this, in this regard, you know, if, if someone's looking at this, this was going to happen regardless or, or not this exact, it's, you know, it's the judge Academy version, but it's, it's at least spiritually very, very similar. You know, when, when I think what, if I can, if I can comment and tell you what I'm thinking about this one, what my experience is that as I'm talking to publishers and retailers about what they want to pay for, 
okay? Because that's, that's a big part of this is I want to get – my mission is to get judges paid. I want to make judging awesome. I want to make it a, a path of lifelong learning. And frankly, I want you all to get paid. And when I talk to publishers and retailers about what they want to pay judges for, it's rulings are the foundation, right? They, you need to have that. You need to know how to pair people. You need to know how to run an event. But the skills that, that folks want are things like excellent customer service skills. They're, um, they're skills like um, their their skills like can you diffuse conflict? Can you can you help me build a community? Can you teach my, the publishers say things like can you teach my retailers how to build their community around a game and how to market that game? And then can you teach the game? Sure, absolutely. Yes. Can you teach the game if somebody doesn't know how to do that? And then the other one that that I have a huge amount of personal passion to. And I don't think this has, this one's not on our list of requirements for L1, but I think it's going to be really helpful is can you help that publisher? Can you help that retailer extend the reach of their event out into the internet? Can you stream? Can you teach the retailer how to stream their event? Because one of the changes that's going to happen in our industry in the next few years is we're going to end up in a, in a world where every successful store is, is, is streaming their, their events. And if you don't stream your events, you're not going to be successful. You've got to, the event, we're going to redefine the event. And I mean the entire industry is going to redefine the event. So it's not just the people playing. It's everybody watching and participating. And it's it's already hard to be retailers and competing with somebody who doesn't who doesn't extend it out. It's it's going to be it. You just won't be able to do it. And and judges, I hope that judges choose to help the retailers be successful moving into the future. That makes sense. Um, so now we I, I know that my level will part over. I know that if I'm a level one that something I may have to get a different grasp on what level one entails now. What do I do if I am currently in the process of working with someone on getting my level one certification? Do I, do I put that on hold? Do I, what what should I do? So I think that in general, they absolutely don't put it on hold. Right. Um, one of the things that we are committed to at this point is that whatever level you are, when you, uh, when we turn on in an area, we are going to honor because we believe that, you know, one, if we don't, that if you tell people in South America, for example, that they can't advance or they can't, you know, push towards something and motivate themselves, they're not going to be happy, right? They're, they're, they might leave. There needs to be a community to expand into. Um, but if you're working on level one right now, you have a couple of options. And part of that is based on how you learn. Um, if you certify between now and October 1st, uh, all of the stuff that you have learned 
will, you know, your level will port straight over. And then, like we mentioned, you'll have those additional uh, supplemental lessons that you'll need to take. But you'll need to take those lessons regardless if you are certifying with Judge Academy after October 1st or certifying with the current system before. So if you are somebody who struggles, um, you might want to wait until there's some some e-learning modules that have been professionally created. Uh, but if you're working with a mentor right now, the only reason you should wait is if you specifically want to go through the process under Judge Academy. Um, otherwise, you should continue on par on the course that you're doing because, um, one, there's a lot of time between now and October. And if you're working on L1, you might be anywhere from, I just heard about this judging thing and now I'm turning in, tuning into JudgeCast so I can listen to what's going on all the way up until, hey, I took an L1 exam a couple months ago and I didn't pass and I've hammered down those last couple details and I'm just waiting to test again. Uh, and we want to make sure that we are able to support everybody on that spectrum. Awesome. All right. Um, just we've, we've still got a lot to, to go over. So can we can we just like quickly hit the like on October 1st when we turn on you know, like what what stuff is going to be available in Judge Academy on October 1st? And then what kind of stuff will be six months down the road, 12 months down the road in terms of what's what all is, you know, is there going to be reviews, profiles, blogs, that kind of stuff, testing? Okay. So let's let's start out with, you know, in a desire to be as frank as possible. Let's start out with a reality that we're working with programmers. And sometimes things, sometimes there's snags, sometimes there's delays, sometimes, you know, and some, sometimes there's not. But right now today, with the latest update that I have from the programmers, um, I expect to have all of the features that are currently, uh, currently embodied in Judge Apps. We will have all of that, plus we will have video embedded in our system. So that includes there will be reviews, there will be privacy settings where you're in control of your privacy and you can set up if you want the world to see you, you can do that. And if you only if you don't want anybody to see you, you can do that. You can um you can you'll be able to host your we'll be able to host your blog for you if you choose. We will host blogs that 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 have information that we choose, um, including compensating folks for doing that if we ask them to do it. Um, there will be testing built into the system. There will be e-learning modules. Um, uh, let's see, reviews, event post, uh, event posting, which is our way of describing. You know, organizers are going to be able to host. Uh, will be able to list their events, and then judges will be able to apply for work, and and. All of that should be available on October 1, although there is a chance, there's always a chance with programming that it slides a little bit. Um, it will not be, at this point, we do not anticipate being able to offer it um, to the entire globe, but that's more of a business and legal issue. It's mostly legal stuff driving it. Um, we've got to figure out legal forms at We've got to figure out how to legally do business um, in all of in all of the world, 
including things like, uh, you know, how do you do a judge conduct committee and pieces like that. We've got to figure out how to do those things everywhere before we can roll out into whichever place we're going to. But uh, but we're, we're anticipating all of that done by by October 1. Okay. You, you said uh, that you might not be able to have like a judge co- code of conduct committee equivalent. Uh, will there be a code of conduct? Oh, wait, wait. I'm sorry. Let me be clear. I think I, okay. I miscommunicated. We are absolutely going to have some kind of equivalent. We just have to figure out how to do that in each area before we roll out there. Because, you know, the, the question everybody asks is, why not the entire world? Why not, you know, that day, right? October 1. And there and and the problem is it's just very complicated to do this from a legal and business point of view everywhere all at once. Um, but in terms of will the code be there and will it be able to support people by October 1? The answer is yes. And we, you know, and, and to address your second question, we absolutely like absolutely having some way to address inappropriate conduct in every area where we do business is really important. It's crucial. You can't we like it's crucial to for the judge for everybody to know that there are not unethical people in the community. And the challenge is that the rules and laws are different everywhere in the world. And we've got to find a way we've got to find a way to make that work. All right. Will will uh, L2 and L3 or what's this? I've heard that L1 and L2 tests won't be available on October 1st. Is there a rollout plan for those? Uh, so we are not changing things uh, for L2 and L3 for at least six months. And part of that is because we are really focusing on making sure we can only create so much or kind of organize so much between now and October and get it set up. Uh, But on the other part of that is because we want to make sure that we have time to think about um, where the program, not just where the program is currently, but where it was going. Um, And so six months down the road, you're likely to see um, either six months or shortly thereafter, uh, some sort of redefinition for L2 and L3 um, that will be able to incorporate some of those some of those philosophies. Folks, can I go into inside baseball a little bit here, though? I love inside baseball. Okay, here's the thing. One of the things that's really important to me is that we pay people for the things that they do. Right. I've said that over and over again. I'm probably going to sound like a broken record. So we have a problem that we need to solve before October 1. And that's the L, the L2. So we're creating a new L1 test. We've got an L2 and an L3 test. And there's a test body. Right. And in a perfect world. So when you said our test going to be available in a perfect world, everything's available and we just bring the current test over. However, that doesn't that test doesn't belong to me, right? I if in a perfect world, I just buy the buy the test and we're done, right? It is not clear at all who owns that test and who can transfer the rights to it. And so we may end up having a, a slight delay. I don't know. We're gonna we're gonna get started on this ASAP, but um, 
right now, when people submit questions to uh, to be included in the body of, of, uh, of test questions for the L2 and L3 test, technically, if you're the person who writes the thing and you don't formally um, release your copyright to the thing you write, it's still your property. And there's not any entity because because one of the problems with the judge program was it was never legally set up. Meaning, and I don't mean that it's illegal; it's not. It is that it was never formally created in law. It's not a for profit. It's not a non profit. No paperwork was done, and so there is not an entity that can sell us the the test questions. So that there's not an entity to own those things to sell us those things. And so we're going to have to do some work and construct new tests. And we're, we're getting on that right now. But, but that's if there is any interruption, it would come from that. My guess is we'll have those in time for October 1, but, but that's, that's the challenge we face. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's real. It, it does. It does. That's, that's a big question. You know, the, a lot of people ask, it's like, well, why can't you just port all the questions over from the existing tests in? And the answer is because a for-profit business or even a non-profit business can't just say, these are mine now. This right, is mine. Right. No, I, I made this. Right. right. And yeah, and it's that's not a for-profit, non-profit. And, and the pro- one of the problems with the judge program is it acted as if it was independent, right? And And I like that independence. I thought that was one of the better things about it. And yet there's no one who can assign the rights to the thing to someone else. And, you know, and, and if, if you, if we were going to talk about the things that we need to fix, one of them is there has to be a clear legal structure underlying a thing so that it, so that it can do things in the world. So it can, enter into contracts so that it can make things like one of one of I was I was having a call today with the insurance agent because one of the benefits that I would very much like to offer to members is insurance to everybody who's a member now realistically this is a complete nightmare to for on my end to do because I have to find a way to deliver you know (laughs) deliver insurance in you know in country after country around the world and the laws governing insurance are national, not international, but whatever, right. I'm having that conversation, but that's ultimately a conversation we can have and professional organizations know how to solve this problem. Ultimately, because lots of organizations do that. If you don't have a professionally run organization though, if there's no entity to contract, then you can't do that. And so that's one of the problems the judge program had previously is they weren't able to contract. And so they couldn't provide some of the benefits that I'm hoping we're going to be able to do, you know, and whether or not that one's ready on October 1st or not, I don't think it's mission critical. So I'm not going to try and get it running on October 1, but, but soon thereafter. Right. And, um, and, and, and that's, that's part of why it's got to have a legal structure. Right. Okay. Um, all right. So uh, I know that um, CFBE did an AMA today, um, but sort of, can you explain a little bit about what 
your relationship, if any, to CFBE is? Uh, so I have, uh, it, legally we're not connected, right? Um, but I do have a liaison within CFBE uh, that is Jason Ness, um, who I will be, am interfacing with. Um, one, because they're a stakeholder, right? If we're going to have a certification, it makes sense to uh, have an insight into what kinds of things, like Tim mentioned, people want to pay for that create value for TOs. Um, so I think that it is um, it's incredibly important to have that relationship or that, that tie at least. Um, but that being said, we don't have kind of any say over how they choose to, to operate or be, we just have a, a liaison that helps uh, serve as a conduit for, of information between the two. So there you, you are in communication, but you're not officially connected in any way. Um, yeah. yeah, that's correct. So the, the concern, the concern I think is, and this, this is something that's been ex- expressed in multiple places is I'm, I'm a L2. I work GPs. Um, if I don't join Judge Academy, am I going to get locked out of GPs or Magic Fests or the equivalent? Or, Will this uh, harm my chances games? to get staffed right. for stuff? Uh, right. So I think we mentioned earlier there isn't technically any uh, requirement for being uh, f- uh, to have certain level judges at any particular event, including a magic fest, um, whether or not uh, they want to, whether or not CFBE decides to staff people and who they decide to staff is always going to be up for them. That's not really a, for us to say um, ultimately, but there, if you are an in-service area um, so if you're one of the places that we've rolled out to, there won't be any sort of maintenance or structure uh, otherwise outside of Judge Academy. And so it's it's really up to CFBE determine, to determine how they'll take previous judge certifications uh, into account. Uh, and I'm sure that they will... Uh, they've already made a statement about kind of their feelings and their both their support for Judge Academy, but also their acknowledgement of past work and uh, primarily, obviously, because of uh, the fact that they are a global organization or they they take people from all over the world and uh, a person who they're going to need judges from areas. Uh, I think this year there were five magic fests that took place in areas that will be out of service when we go live. Um, And so for all those areas, they're going to need support and they kind of need to uh, take, or I expect take past information into, into consideration. That makes sense. Um, and like I said, when I had at the beginning of this question, I know um, CFBE did do an AMA and I know that they are also fielding a lot of questions about 
how staffing decisions are going to be going forward and what the future looks like on their end. So they do have their own answers to those questions. Right. So dovetailing into that, uh, do we have any idea what's going to be happening to the GP head judge role? Is that going to be Judge Academy? Is that going to be CFBE? Uh, so we actually we actually talked about this um, primarily because we looked at, well, what does GP head judge, what does the GP head judge role do? And again, you know, there's nothing that says other than social construct that you have to be this certification to have the certification to be in a red shirt. Um, and, you know, we have seen, uh, we have seen over the years, people get put into those roles for one reason or another uh, prior to the certification actually existing. And one of the things we came up with and we determined uh, was that as, as much as CFBE can benefit from something like the GP head judge certification, that really isn't for them. Um, because most of the people that they put in those roles are people that they've seen work and they are like, yes, now you have this thing and now we're going to put you into this role. Um, what it's really for is for the judges, right? It's a thing to strive for. It's a, it's a specialization. Um, it's important to, uh, for, identity in some ways. Uh, and so when we were looking at, well, should this be CFBE? Should this be something we take on? Um, we know that we are going to have some sort of large tournament head judge certification, um, whether that's specifically GP head judge, um, whether that expands to kind of include, uh, we want other large tournaments. Um, I know just in the U.S., uh, for example, uh, Star City Games runs events that are sometimes larger than the main event of the Magic Fest that's happening. And so um, I think it's important that we get a chance to talk to the stakeholders involved and what they would need to or want to see in a role if there's any changes um, and kind of use that as a way to grow. So it might not be exactly how it is now. Um, and part of that is we're going to need to talk to everything from CFBE to channel, uh, to um, Star City Games to the current GP head judge lead, who um, Kevin, uh, to a number of stakeholders. Um, so we want to have something. We need to have something. Uh, what that exactly looks like is unsure at the moment. Okay. And just just a, a, a quick, before we start getting to like some of the community concerns, um, give you guys a, an opportunity to answer the, the question of, you know, when we ask when we ask these questions like, "Hey, what's what's L two going to look like? What's uh, GP head judge going to look like? Are there tests going to be available?" And a lot of a lot of the answers are, um, you know, we're still working on it. We're trying to figure this out. Um, I want to give you guys an opportunity just to brief, briefly touch on the timeline aspects of all of this. Like, what you guys what you guys are trying to do or have tried to do in the amount of time that you have. 
Yeah. Uh, so I, for me, and then I'll pass it off to Tim, but uh, I have been, I just moved to Portland. Uh, I've been today. working today. I got off my plane uh, like four hours ago. Um, so I've been working remotely for about a month. And if you think about it, uh, so I've been working on it for a month. There's two months until launch. Um so, you know, I've got a third of the answers, um, but and that's obviously only my role in particular, um, but the company itself, I don't know if you want to speak to how long. Sure. Actually, I, w- I want to say it a slightly different way. So we so if you were going to run a program like this in a perfect world, what you should have is something like a year, maybe a year and a half of time. You, It takes time to hire staff. You should have a year, year and a half of time. You should have a, a stable source of funding. And you should have a lot of time to do this in a very thoughtful and deliberate way. Okay, We just were not put in that situation, right? That's just not what we're working with. Um, We've had roughly four and a half months to work on this project. Um, where I'm funding this right now, I sold my power to, to fund to fund this project to get us to a point where we we can we can start taking in revenue. Right? It's um, and and we're building a team and we're hiring programmers and I think we're making really good progress in terms of getting things together. But you know one of but so what we've got now is we've got a team programming away. We've got a good spec for programming. We've picked community managers. Uh, we've got Nicolette. We've, we've got Kyle. We've, you know, we've, we've got Chris and Eric as, as a team. So we've formed a team. We're going to need to add some more folks on over time. We're, um, we're starting we're it's been announced to the public now because of course, trying to get things done and trying to move forward is really, really difficult when you can't talk about it because of confidentiality agreements, right? So we're we're now making really good progress. But, you know, there's there's a ton of things we don't have done yet. And one of the things in talking with judges, one of the questions I got over and over again is, listen, why are you talking to me about this now? Why are you creating anxiety and problems in my life when um, when you don't have the answer, you know, there's a ton of questions where if you ask them, I can answer a philosophy of how we're thinking about something, but I don't have the exact logistical answer yet. I don't know how we're going to ship foils into Eastern Europe yet, for instance. There's hundreds of little, you know, incredibly important to folks, but but questions that we haven't had a chance to answer yet. And the reason is we haven't figured out it. We don't have enough time. Please, you know, the best I can say is please be willing to extend some trust to us that we're gonna we're gonna figure this out in time. There might be some bumps along the way, but we're gonna get this set up and and do the thing. And uh, and and you know, and there's just there's a limited amount of time, so we we can't get everything. We can't have everything done yet. Yeah, October 1st is not a deadline that we would have set. No, that wasn't my idea. And the other part of it is over the years, right? Over the years, people keep saying things like, 
I don't agree in personal conversations with me. I don't agree with this decision or that decision Wizards of the Coast made, right? They don't like the frame on artifacts when how it changed 15 years ago or whatever it was, right? And they keep saying things like, how can they change this without talking to the community first? Well, that's what we're doing. We're talking to the judge community before everything is set in stone. And as a result, I know this is causing unnecessary anxiety for some folks, but that's the price we pay by trying to be as open as we can. And so for folks who don't like the anxiety, I apologize. But on the other hand, there's an opportunity to give input now and shape the program in ways you want us to go. The whole situation just seems like a complete balancing act of of finding the right timing of what when can you give some amount of information, but enough information that it's actually useful and not just enough to make people worry that the sky is falling. Like there's, it's an, it's an impossible bar to, to really set until you're doing it. Although, you know, the thing is that for, you know, the judges as a group are some of the smartest individuals that I've ever encountered, like just bar none. We're talking about a group of people who are smart um, and, They've got to understand, you know, and I know this has been a shock, but people this smart have got to understand that there are trade-offs in life. And one of the trade-offs is that we're going very fast and and you get to see what we're doing. And that creates a little more anxiety. But the other option is imagine if we hadn't talked about everything. And frankly, our team wanted to talk about stuff much earlier, right? Uh, it's just easier for us to to do a thing if it's if it's public earlier, and so you know we've been pushing to make this public, and uh, and and yeah, and and that means that there's going to be some anxiety, and there are some questions where it ultimately comes down to I can't give you details. I mean, this was one of the things on the Reddit AMA, right? One of the people summarized what we were saying as you don't have details yet. And what you're saying comes down to trust trust you, please. And that person, the subtext of what they were saying is, no, we're not willing to extend trust. But that's what I'd like to do today. If I had one message, it's, please, many of you know me, or you know Nicolette, or you know Kyle, or, you know, or you know the other folks on the team. But particularly, you know, the three of us are relatively, you know, known to judges. You know us. And trust that we're going to do the best we can. I can't promise you that we're not going to make mistakes. In fact, if I had to promise, I would promise you we will make mistakes. But what we'll do is we'll fix them. And we'll do that in conversation with you. And we'll get better and better over the t- over time. We're not going to be perfect. But trust us, you know us, that we're not going to accept anything less than awesome as being acceptable. And so we're going to get this. We're going to get it to you. And and please be understanding. And frankly, please be more trusting than a Reddit AMA. <laughs> so, yes, that's Reddit. Mo- <laughs> moving into one of the questions from the Reddit AMA that uh, that generated a, a lot of discussion. Some, is, some is, angst. 
so this organization is uh, not a 501c3 or 6 or 7, i.e. a non-profit. Uh, it's, a, it's set up as a for-profit business. Um, that, that has generated some uh, concerns, uh, some angst. Uh, can you talk about why is it a nonprofit, or sorry, why is it a for-profit instead of a nonprofit? And then is it a, there a possibility because sometimes businesses can morph into nonprofits later? So let me do that in reverse order. Is okay. there a possibility it's going to change? No, there really isn't. And the reason for that is the same reason why we ended up with a for-profit structure. And, you know, actually, and Brian, you could you could back me up on this because I talked to you very early on in this process. I wanted to form a nonprofit. That was my assumption about how this should be done. I'm somebody who's worked for a lot of nonprofits over my over my career. I'm extremely comfortable with a with a nonprofit model. And that was my opening stance. Let's let's form a nonprofit. So as a as a confirmation, when looking back over my notes from our very first conversation, the very first bullet is it is a dues based member benefit nonprofit. It and, is the first is the first sentence of the first paragraph of the first notes from the first conversation the actual first thing yeah the actual (laughs) literal first thing yeah no that was other than other than notes from meeting with tim that (laughs) was absolutely where i started and frankly i spent several thousand dollars working with attorneys to try and figure out how to do this thing because it's it is not a it 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 is not a perfect fit into all of the categories of not of not for profits, as you as you said. I mean, we don't need to go into the difference of different types of five hundred one c whatevers, right? But it it but I figured out a way to do that, and then I started having conversations with publishers. And before everybody gets out their pitchforks and torches and goes to burn down a, a particular office building and rent it, <laughs> it's this was not just Wizards of the Coast. This I got this feedback from a lot of places, and frankly, it just revealed an area of the world that I was I was a little bit ignorant or uninformed in. Okay, and the answer was the quick answer, although it's worth going into. I think is quick answer is organizations were not willing to contract us, and we ultimately need to have a deal. We need to have a contract with every publisher we're doing we're, we're supporting. And they either weren't able to or were extremely restricted in what they could do with nonprofits, to which I said, what, huh, why? This, this makes no sense to me. And what was, what was explained to me was that each corporation, and that's ultimately what we're talking about, each corporation has rules that are internal rules that are designed to be hard to change. Um, about what money, about what more money, what resources, what things they can do in order to donate to nonprofits. Um, and the reason for that is, or for that matter, even contract with nonprofits. And the reason is, if you're running a company, you don't want the new hotshot vice president of Mucky Muckness or whatever they are to walk down to the corporate giving office and say, hey, my kid's in a private school or my kid's in a baseball league, and it would be really cool if this corporation would sponsor 
my kids, my kids school, my kids um, baseball league, my kids hockey team, whatever. Right. And so what corporations do so that, you know, a junior associate in HR and corporate giving isn't being pressured by a vice president to to take to hook up that vice president's kids school or whatever is they create guidelines that are very strict guidelines about what kind of nonprofits they're willing to support. So for instance, Wizards of the Coast, actually it's Hasbro, is is a huge supporter of charities for kids. It's probably not a surprise that they feel a lot of mission and passion about supporting charities for kids. And that means things like boys and girls clubs and, and stuff like that. Okay. And every corporation that we talk to has a different charitable giving guideline, which either they can't change or are very different, difficult to change. And it became clear that there was no way to thread the needle where we would meet the corporate giving requirements of all of the all of the uh, all of the organizations. It also so that was one problem, and that probably rules it out anyway. But the other thing that was new to me that I didn't expect at all is that it became clear that most of the corporations I talked to, if you're in the char- the bucket of funds that go to charity, you're competing with all of the other charities, and so what that means is if there's an organization that's a corporation, a publisher that's supporting, say, the the Red Cross, that if we take charitable funds from them or any resources from them, because it all ultimately in in corporate land comes down to dollars, everything costs dollars, that you're taking funds away from the Red Cross, that you're taking funds away from – in order for us to gain anything – including, you know, cards or, or anything, we're taking it away from a charity. And as much as I personally have some of my best friends are judges, I love the judge program. I'm pretty passionate about that. I'm not willing to do a thing that takes money out of the pocket of the Red Cross, because frankly, and I hope, you know, people don't take their pitchforks and tortures to me for this one, but the judge program is, is important but it's not as important as saving people's lives. And so I didn't want to be in a position where where we're trying to where we're taking resources away from charities that do save lives. And then the and then, you know, can, can I put can I put a cynic spin on that? Sure. Okay. Um it's <laughs> if if money is being taken away from a charity like the Red Cross or something like that in order to allocate resources to the judge program then it would be because wizards didn't or whatever hasbro or whatever third party didn't increase their charitable contributions their total percentage or giving right and and the the cynic in me and and you might you might be saying this a little bit more politely but it's oh once we've met our charitable giving contributions we don't necessarily i'm thinking as a company now we don't necessarily need to go over that limit. Hey, let, let me put this a different way for you. Okay. Because, uh, yeah, cynicism aside, right? Let's just okay. let's just be hardcore realists about this. Okay. All right. Okay. I get to. I like to think of myself as a relatively empowered person. I like to think that I get to make change in the world. 
It's a very privileged place to be in, but and I frankly am very grateful, and and it's a fair analysis of where I'm at. I get to be influential and I get to make changes. I can sometimes, sometimes talk wizards into doing things, and other times I can't. I can never, ever influence the policy of Hasbro. I have literally no visibility into that. But you know what? It's not about wizards and Hasbro. I also have no visibility in and don't get to influence the the corporate policies of any other, like, I get to have a conversation and do with the people in the game division of X publisher. And, you know, and and I think I don't I I think I have really excellent access to everybody in tabletop and some folks in esports. Okay, that's that's the scope of my access. And then it becomes a matter of can I persuade? Okay, because I don't get to dictate policy to anybody. I get to make a case. I get to argue for a thing. And then I get to leave the room and they get to say what they want to say and make fun of me after I've left, right? That's just how it goes. I don't have any ability to spin Hasbro and to get them to do a thing. And I certainly don't get to change the policy of fill in the name of any other corporation, you know, Nintendo or whoever, right? And so you and I, Brian, you know, we, we, we've talked a bunch, but we don't have the power to go into these corporations and change things. And so are they going to treat this as a zero sum game? Yeah, they probably are. And, and, and frankly, I can't risk it and I can't do this thing without a, I can't get this thing done without having this structure. So would I have preferred a different structure? Sure. I don't get to change. I don't get to operate under a different structure and um, and that's why it's not going to change unless the world changes and somehow you give me a mind control helmet or something so that I can change how how, you know, the, the parent company responds to the subsidiary in every company and tabletop, then we're not changing. And it's frankly, it's not really it's not realistic to expect us to. But does yeah. that seem fair? I know that's a hard thing. And. And I don't mean to be the bearer of bad news, but but it's just that's reality, folks. It's 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 unfortunate, but makes sense. Um, I for what it's worth, I um, work in a nonprofit setting and I can confirm that there are a lot of sort of hoops to jump through um, about what corporations can give what and what sort of. To, to prove that you are a, a worthy nonprofit. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it, it's a thing. It's a real it thing. It is. It's a thing. And then the other part of it is corporations are infamous. If you're in the nonprofit sector, you know, I, I, I've worked in, in a bunch of mental health contexts. I've been a counselor. I've worked at hospitals uh, that are nonprofits. I've done a bunch of that. And what will happen is a corporation will, be excited about helping that particular nonprofit and contracting with them to do whatever it is. And then it will change. And, you know, one year they're excited about helping, you know, mental health and the next year it's, you know, kids issues. And so even if we were able to find a way to operate as a nonprofit, which is, which so far the the client, the customers are, the publishers are not willing to contract with us. Even if we succeeded, 
it, we would not be able to create a sustainable, permanent organization. We would have something that was changing with the wind. And one of the things I think we owe judges is to give them an organization that's stable. Awesome. And this is the only way I know how to do that. Right. Consistency. Um, connecting back with all that and with some things that have been brought up by the community over the last few days and weeks, um, just general concerns about transparency um, as far as what information is being communicated and how decisions are being made. Um, a lot of folks are wanting to know where do, do your dues go? Where does that money go? Um, there's well, Sure. No, that's a, I understand why people want to know that question, right? And in summary, where the dues are going to go, it, you know, it, there, I guess there's two issues, right? Where are the dues going to go? And then probably more importantly to folks, what's the transparency going to look like? So let me, let me hit both of those. The dues are overwhelmingly going to go to salaries and paying people to create content with a little sliver going to, uh, to the programming side. But honestly, you know, honestly, the world of programming has changed so much. It's, it's not that expensive to do, to do, to get the programming done. You know, there'll be an ongoing cost for servers and maintenance and, and changes, but that's not where the bulk of it goes. The bulk of it is going to go to paying people to do the jobs they do to support judges and then to paying people to develop the content, to develop the tests, to develop the trainings in order to, in order to do the thing. And to continue to support those people and their through things like conferences, absolutely, which and are going to cost money. And it is not a static thing, right? It's not like we're going to develop a test and then we're done. We are absolutely committed to the, to an idea. Of, you know, I need something that sounds a little less like a corporate cliche, but it really is all about lifelong learning, right? It's about we're going to help people instead of saying I've passed my L one and I'm done which frankly not many judges have that attitude but uh, but but the system right now is doesn't say okay you're an L1 and in order to be excellent at a store and local level here is an ongoing and growing body of knowledge right you you pass a test and you're done well we're going to keep extending out what's involved in an L1 so that there's electives and there's more and more to year, to learn. And that's going to be an ongoing thing. And so that's where the money's going to go. What I'm willing to do in terms of transparency, because um, I, I think there's a legitimate need for transparency, although some of the requests that I've gotten, frankly, just aren't legitimate, right? Some people are asking, what's every person going to at the organization going to make in terms of a salary? And that's not a fair thing to ask for. Um, just like I don't get to ask you what you make, you shouldn't be asking Nicolette what she makes. That's personal information. But knowing, but knowing what, as an organization, having an independent group come in and examine our books and then say and then share with the community, are we are we being prudent in our decision making? Are we being fair? And what what areas are those funds going into? That's something that I'm super comfortable with. And then the other part of it is, you know, everybody who is a judge has access to a calculator. 
And all you're going to have to do is some quick math and go, oh, total X number of judges times entry fees equals the total budget we have. And what you're going to figure out is that judge that at least as I anticipated that member fees are going to be something like three quarters of what it takes to operate, but it's not going to be all the money and that needed to do a thing. And so for the folks who are worried that this is some kind of crazy cash grab that I'm going to go buy a Ferrari based on this, although frankly, I would like a Ferrari. I'm a little heavy though, so I might not fit in a Ferrari, but, but I, I would love to have a Ferrari. I'm pretty sure that this is a miserable way to become wealthy if that was my goal. And, and member dues certainly aren't going to get us there. So did that answer the question fairly or should I, should I do more? No, that I think, I think that's, Pretty, pretty thorough. <laughs> well, really, no, no. I want to make sure I'm being thorough because because you know, it's fair. I had people all over Gen Con asking me this, you know, and it, you know, and it's very similar to the issue as a tournament organizer where people, you know, people ask you, you know, you can add up the entry fees really easily, but it's really hard to know the uh, the expense side and how come you're not wealthy and you know. How come blah, blah, blah? Well, it turns out everything in this world costs way more than you expect. And and that's the true answer. That's that's real. <laughs> yeah, it just um, does. I'm sorry, right? But if you can find – actually, I was going to lie and say if you could find a, an attorney who works for free. But I don't want that. I want us to come into a, an era where this program is something where people can be proud of being a member of, where – there's a solid foundation under it. And, the, and you know, the other part is everybody tells me they want an organization that has enough, enough independence to be a strong advocate for the judges with retailers, with TOs, with Wizards. If every bit of support we have comes from Wizards of the Coast, then we're not going to be able to be a strong advocate for you. And so... Yeah, it costs money. It's going to cost money. And there was never a scenario where where it didn't cost money. That's actually that was in Brian's initial notes. It <laughs> that's just reality. Hopefully what we're doing is giving you a value that you, you're proud of. Right. Um, in line with that, the question of transparency, um, people were asking about money, but they were also asking how staffing was selected how were the community uh, managers selected and how 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 did everyone get to the roles that they are in and what will that look like going forward sure so i mean i applied for a job that wasn't actually quite what i'm doing but um the board members were selected um they the the advisors rather um were selected uh there are if i remember correctly two from um north america uh two from europe and uh one from south america and uh one from canada so i guess two from the u.s one from canada um and so those they were selected as people who have served in a number of different roles and have been 
um, leading or advocating or acting as a liaison for the program. Uh, so each of them have held some sort of role, whether that's PC, RC, uh, sphere lead, uh, sometimes a combination of them. Uh, and they were kind of selected. Um, the community managers, a part of it is we, we needed to select the community managers. We didn't know how long it was going to take for us to actually be able to uh, announce and go public with some of this information. So the community managers, um, we did have an application process for. However, because there hadn't been a public announcement from Wizards yet, um, the community manager description and application went to basically those that were already NDA'd, um, which was primarily RCs and PCs, uh, regional coordinators and program coordinators. Um, however, on that application and in addition, uh, we did ask those people to uh, let us know if there was anybody off list uh, that we should be considering highly for these. Um, and that's for a number of reasons. Uh, one, we didn't just want people, you know, sending this application to their buddies because we needed to be able to control uh, the sensitive information so that it didn't create this kind of panic and, and, um, concerns. Uh, but also so we could kind of look at, where we had people that um, you know, there were some areas where we were combining three areas and we had three qualified candidates. Uh, and in those areas, we didn't we didn't see the need to reach out to uh, additional people. There were other areas where um, either the current regional coordinator was uh, stepping either down, back or into a different role, for example, um, Johnny Good, who is going, who's on our board of uh, advisors. And for those, we looked at their recommendations. So the recommendations of current RCs and PCs as to who we should reach out to, uh, to kind of extend the ability to apply as well. And primarily we took, um, we, we took all of that into account and selected community managers from that pool with a slightly expanded scope. Um, in the future, now that things are, are public, um, the community manager um, role is going to be something that is going to be open. Uh, those terms that currently exist are uh, two-year terms and um, part of that is just stability while we're getting situated. Um, but things that happen as we expand out or future waves of those community managers um, will be those open applications. Uh, and then as for selecting the the rest of the selection and payment of um, work that's being done, there's really three kind of levels of um interactions and, and contraction and um, contracting that we would do. Um, and some of those, uh, and so to start the, the one-offs, right, I'm going to contract you to do a thing. I, Judge Academy is asking you to uh, translate our unofficial announcement we have or um, create an exam question. Those are kind of one-off 
um, or modules. Then there are going to be the contracted roles, which are things like the community managers, um, a some sort of, whether that's a testing coordinator or somebody overseeing different aspects. And those are part-time um, contracted roles that will have, from this point on, uh, almost certainly applications that the the judge pro, the current judge program can apply to or people involved. Uh, and then there's the full-time position, which are basically the positions in which there's so much to do um, and there's so much interaction and it's uh, part of the critical tasks of the program. And that'll be full-time positions. Um, and if something is that interactive and that necessary to be a full-time that probably means that person needs to physically be here with us in Portland. Um, although whether or not there are some that could end up being remote is something that's for, for future us uh, to, to figure out. Um, but a lot of the, a lot of the committees that were happening uh, and a lot of the people that were doing individual things are going to need to get, focused and try to figure out why, you know, if there was a committee for something, well, why, why was that the case? And that's usually for, for one of three reasons, right? That's usually either because, um, it's a thing that, you know, the judge program has this, this inherent moral compass that says that we, what one person should not be able to block somebody from say the level three process. And there were some, um, committees that were focused around that. Um, there are committees that exist simply because we want second eyes on stuff, whether that's just uh, for opinion's sake, because people do have biases, uh, but we want to make sure that there's multiple eyes working on it or going over it. Uh, if stuff like exam questions, editing, those kind of uh, tasks. And then there's the committees that were created simply because everybody currently doing it was doing it in their free time on their weekends after their kids went to sleep um, or however they were contributing and they had the time and resources to contribute to the program. And so some of those committees, um, you know, the process of accepting a self-review, for example, or the process of um, doing some task that's repetitive might have been a committee not because of those previous two reasons, but simply because people were doing this in their free time. And if one person's job was to do this, whether that's a part-time or a full-time, and they could they do it by themselves? And we're going to have to really take a critical eye at figuring out which of those things can be consolidated down into a single person and which of those things we're going to need um, some sort of task group to accomplish. Um, we don't have all of that, all of those labeled out yet. And like Brian said, we're still figuring out, um, looking into more and more the, all of the different processes that exist um, within the judge program and seeing why they exist in the way they currently do. Is there uh, a need to continue in that way or is there a way that we can do it better? Okay. Uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty important to, to look at uh, things that we're doing and figuring out if there's, uh, 
if there's ways that we can do it better. Can, uh, let me ask you, out of the feedback that you've been getting, uh, you mentioned uh, having a, an independent accountant look at the books and make some sort of report as to whether or not you're being good stewards of the of the money. Has there been any other feedback out of this that has made you go, uh, that's a good idea, we should start doing that? So let's see, the things that... the I knew that a that a piece of having a way for people to sponsor other people was going to be I knew that was going to be important but it wasn't I didn't know the degree of importance if that makes sense. So I knew it was important but I didn't know that we needed to have that day one. And now and that's absolutely coming coming from judges. Um I knew let's see. So so sponsorship is one um, I had underestimated the importance of figuring out alternate payment methods, um, particularly for judges in Latin America. That's something I've been hearing quite a bit. So having these, having the, we've, we've scheduled a series of, of meetings that are time that are either structured times inside, uh, judge conferences like the one in Vegas or, just drop-ins, so there'll be two days of drop-in time um, where I where I will be in Vegas, and I think Nicolette, you're going to be available at the at the actual conference as well, and I'll be at the conference. Um, so that so we'll have drop-in times, we'll have structured times, um, and we're going to do this in a series of uh, Magic Fests, also um, conventions between now and October one. And but the learnings I've had from just Vegas are find some other way. There's a desire for other ways of payment, if possible. Um, we heard in the Reddit AMA how important insurance was to some judges. I'm getting really varied feedback on that one. Some judges seem for them it's crucial. Others, frankly, don't care at all. Um, <laughs> One of the pieces that I knew already, but I'm hearing over and over again, is it is important to judges that the judge program be a global program, right? That's for some judges, that's absolutely crucial. They frankly, they don't want to belong to a program unless it serves the entire globe. And the unity of the judges is so important. And, and I'm hearing I'm hearing that over and over again. So to that, I can say we are absolutely going to roll out globally. We can talk more about that later on. Let's see. What else is there that's crucial that we're hearing from judges? I mean, every time that I've gotten the chance to speak to judges about this, um, I've come away with a list of questions and uh we have a, an open document going where we have to figure out, is there an answer that currently exists or, or is this a thing that we need to answer? And honestly, some of the some of the feedback and questions are highlighting things that are that we need to answer uh, from immediately. Right. Or, or at launch or and, and some of it is stuff that we have to say, hey. We're not taking no one's taking your money until October. You know, give us give us give us a, a second. Give us a second. Um, and one of the things that I've I've had a lot of uh, people I've, I've read a lot is the idea of, you know, you're asking us to pay money, but we haven't been able to see anything. We don't know what it is. But like we're not taking 
money money yet, yet. <laughs> um and you will be able to see it and you'll be able to create an account and take a look at the the rules advisor and the l1 stuff because that's all available for for free uh before you decide to give us money or of, of any sort so um a lot of the the feedback Yes, some ideas have come from that, but also some prioritizing, I think, has been really important. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. You, you put that really well. Okay. So uh, we've, we've been going for about two hours. Um, I do have one one more, or, or we collectively have one more one more question in nine parts. Um, <laughs> As always. Yeah. And, right, guys, this... Thank you again for having us on this. And I never thought we were going to get this done unless <laughs> I was I, optimistic. I was also optimistic. I was optimistic. I was so, optimistic till the first couple questions. I, I was like, oh yeah, there's a lot to explain. And, and I'm I'm a talker, and also it's our job to give context, right? Because I can't answer the details of everything yet. And so if I can give you the context of why we're doing things and what the philosophy is, then hopefully that gives some people some peace. Because the other part of it is we're going so darn fast. It is, in my perfect world, we'd be going slow. We'd be publishing everything we do. We'd be do, having a, a, a process for the community to give us feedback from point after point. And, you know, and we just can't. You know, it, it took us a couple weeks to, between selecting community managers, giving them an offer, getting them to accept. And ordinarily that takes much longer because it was an open process. Well, I wish we could be open in all of our processes and we simply don't have the time if we're going to make our, if we're going to make October one. Right. Um, so our, our, our final question kind of, again, in several parts, popping back to something that came up that you sort of went into at the beginning of the show there you're looking to work with other games beyond magic um are any other are certifications for any other games going to be supported at the at launch of judge academy yes i believe so 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 let's say let's say this i don't have i have an agreement in principle with KeyForge that we're going to that we're going to support them. We don't have a date yet from that publisher, but they're doing some pretty exciting stuff, uh, and we want we want to support them, particularly since it's a Richard Garfield game, and Richard's kind of awesome, and I want to support. So Richard and Scaff are doing this, and I want to support them if I possibly can. So so that's my personal motivation for it. We are also so if everything lines up correctly in the whatever two months almost we have, we're going to be supporting KeyForge, and then we're also going to be doing a project for esports where you can use your skills as a as a as a magic judge in order to become certified and support publishers in um, in esports. And I think you folks should have us on sometime later because explaining that one is probably 30 minutes. So I don't want to I don't want to go into all of it now unless you need 30 more minutes of us. <laughs> we can have 30 more minutes at a at a later date when we can flesh out even more. I think that's I, I and you know what and 
I am willing to make the commitment, and I'm sure Nicolette is as well. We will come and talk with with you and with the judging public over and over again, and we will be extremely open in this. But I also want to be sympathetic to people who don't want to listen to a podcast that goes on till like 6 a.m. in the morning. So <laughs> thanks for that. Um, but thank and thank you guys for for bringing us on. Of course. Um, with the support for um, KeyForge, like how and also everything else you've got going on, do you? We can we can just cover this really quickly. Will this integrate with a magic judge certification or are they independent completely? There will be an integration in that some skills overlap, but not all of the skills overlap. And, Oh, Hey, here's a, and this is one of the things I learned talking with judges as well, because for me, it was just obvious, but it, you know, I now, as people brought it up, I, I got it, but it, I learned from talking to judges about this because one of the things people want to know is, am I required to do other games? Am I required to do anything? And the truth is, I'm not into telling people what to do just in general. So the answer is no, you're not required at all. I'm trying, my philosophy just on life in general is I want to give you options and then have you make the choices that work for you. And so if your motivation is you just want to help out at the local store and you just want to help out with magic, more power to you. If you want to help out at the local store and you want to integrate Keyforge and then ultimately other games in order to make that retailer successful, awesome for you. If you want to judge in other contexts that I'm not supposed to talk about yet for esports and bring tons and tons of new people into, into our community, awesome. And all of these things ultimately could be independent from each other. On day one, we're going to have an assumption that all of the judges and I where this where the where this is going to get complicated is right now. Day one, our assumption is that a person first passes the magic test and then goes for the esports certification or the keyforge certification. Over time, there undoubtedly will be a track where you can do this as you know where keyforge becomes an independent track. And for that matter, there will be lots of people who want to become eSport judges who aren't magic judges first. Although I think the magic judges will have an advantage. That's real. Yeah, that, I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, <laughs> magic judges having an advantage. Absolutely. Of course they will. All right. Because if yeah. you're a magic judge, you're already awesome in a variety of ways that other people are not. <laughs> it's just true. Hey, I get to say this because I'm not a judge. I and like you don't get to walk around saying, "Hey, do you know how awesome magic judges are?" Because it's harder to say it if you're the thing. But I'm not I, the. No, thing. I don't have a problem with that. Well, I, I get to go <laughs> around the world being a representative for you. Okay. All right. So that's that's all uh, the the questions that that we that we have uh, for you guys. Uh, what we'd like to do is. Um, after is is open up the floor for you guys to have any 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 final thoughts or anything like that. After that, um, what's going to happen is is Brogan and I are going to you know we'll we'll let you guys go because it's seven o'clock seven almost seven thirty y'all's time, and then we'll you know have a, a just kind of a you know what our thoughts are in general and closed uh, closed on the show. But do you guys have any you know closing thoughts, closing comments, anything that we didn't touch on that you want to address? 
Uh, I think the only thing I would say is that uh, I am overwhelmed by the the amount of positive feedback that I'm getting and the concerns that I'm hearing are super real, but I feel like I've been in a position where every conversation that I, I walked around, um, you know, on the Sunday of, of Barcelona and talked with people for eight hours. And, uh, I feel like every person that I talked to walked away feeling a little bit better. And were there still concerns? Yes. And I have a page full of notes of those. Um, but in general, getting to talk to people, getting to answer their concerns, uh, sometimes they were very, very real concerns that we are going to need to find answers to. And sometimes um, it was just a thing that was missed or a thing that seemed obvious to us and that we didn't mention. And then it was like, oh, wait, of, of course. Right. And it was kind of uh, kind of like walking to up to a table to take a judge call where you're like, hey, what's going on? And they're like, hey, we really messed up. Like we have this question or hey, we have this question. So three turns ago and they launch into this big story and it comes down to, you know, how does trample work? And that's, I'm so happy for those answers because because then I get to be like, yeah, no, you're you're good. You can You can still certify between now and October. And they're like, oh, that was that was my concern. Um, so there there have been some that is just clarifying things that we needed to we didn't realize we needed to clarify or didn't have the time to. Um, and there were some real uh, very difficult questions that we're going to need to answer. But in general, I felt like everybody that we talked to walked away feeling better, and that's just so morale boosting for for me and for this project. So, awesome, Tim. I guess I feel like I should say something, but I've said so. That was such an exacerbated sigh. No, no, that was my, I don't know, that was my doubtful but frustrated with myself because I feel like I should have something really profound to say. And I I don't other, you know, my, my only thought is, <laughs> my only thought is I've got to ask you for your trust. Okay? And the truth is trust isn't trust if I've already earned it. Right. If I've already earned it, you're not really trusting. What you're doing is you're like, okay, I I see what they've done and this will work. Well, this is this is a matter of trust. Now, I don't think the risks of us not having our act together perfectly on October one are that high because I know the people involved and I know what we're capable of doing, doing, including um, we're going to, you know, we're going to be able to, to, to fix things as we make mistakes. And I guess that's my promise to everybody. I promise you we'll make mistakes because we're going to go really fast. And I promise you we will, we will fix it. And the other thing I can tell you is I'm going to do my very best because there's a mistake we make in tabletop. And I say this as somebody who's been a professional in the field and, and worked for many of the publishers, you know, almost all of them really, as either an employee or as a contractor at one point or another, at least the major ones, right? Um, we tend to get locked into a zero-sum game where for one person to gain, somebody else has, has got to lose. If I, if I, if, you know, 
either I'm the tournament organizer or somebody else is in that state. You know, either they're the head judge or I'm the head judge. And I fundamentally don't accept zero-sum games. What we're going to do is we're going to find a way, as a team, we are going to find a way to make everybody win. We're going to make the publishers win because we're going to get them better events. We're going to make the publishers win because we're going to argue over and over again to create more events, which I think is going to happen. We're going to argue and we're going to lobby and we're going to work as hard to get as many games as possible so that you have the choice as a retailer for running more and better events so that you as a judge have the choice of which games you want to support. So, no, I don't want to tell anybody to do anything they don't want to do. And, yes, I want to make judging as awesome as humanly possible. And so that's my mission. And, you know, please hop on board because I think it's going to be pretty cool. That's all I got. <laughs> awesome. All right. Thank you. Uh, well, yeah, we want to we want to thank thank you guys, uh, uh, you two, for coming on and and spending your evening with us. Really appreciate that, and I hope for the for the listeners uh, who have been able to uh, hear you guys on this podcast. There was also a an FAQ that was posted on JudgeAcademy.com. There was a video, I believe, on YouTube uh, for an hour long talk that Tim gave at Gen Con. Uh, we'll include those in the show notes. Uh, do you guys have website, Twitter? Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat handles you want to plug. <laughs> Social meds. I don't know. Tender. I don't know. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't think we have a Snapchat, but I think everything else is under Judge Academy. And okay. um, and if I can ask you guys for a favor, you folks for a favor, shouldn't be gendered. If we can come back sometime close to October one. And if you would promise to hold our feet to the fire. And so I think we're going to have stuff that's pretty impressive by then, you know, knowing that it's 60 days out. But I think stuff is going to come together. But please, if, if you'll have us back and then you can you could we'll tell you where we're at and you can you guys could be our judge and jury and tell us whether or not you whether or not you think we've done this well enough. Brian, do you think we can make that happen? Yeah, I, I think I think so. Uh, well, because obviously, when you say hold the feet on the fire, we're gonna want to have an idea as to what is actually either it'll need to be either post rollout so that we can see or have some sort of preview beforehand. We'll give you a this preview. Is, this is just this is just our way of of you know doing the the how do I get on Judge Cast? Yeah, it's so oh. it's just. That's that's really why we don't have all the answers. To put me um, on Judge Cast, it's, an, it's an elaborate scheme to get on Judge. To Cast. get on Judge Cast again, because <laughs> again, I've never been on oh. Judge Cast before. Uh, so I have. Damn, Nicolette has. I almost saw her like pushing the hair back. Like I have. <laughs> Not far off. Okay. Uh, thanks all. Thank I really you so much. It. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you. Hello, and we're back. Uh, this is this part of the episode is going to be is just Brogan and myself. We're going to be discussing our personal thoughts on Judge Academy. It's already been a pretty long episode, so we're gonna keep it. I'm gonna try and keep it moving. And uh, thanks to everyone who has has listened up to this point, listened through to the whole interview, and 
listen to what Tim and Nicolette had to say. Um, again, we know it has been long. Uh, I guess probably to to start out again with um, with the disclosures before we get into this part. I was one of the program coordinators, uh, or am one of the program coordinators that had some of the discussions with Tim investigating this, and we we did some investigations on our own uh, in terms of what was possible and what wasn't possible. I was also asked to join the board uh, about a month and a half ago, I want to say, uh, so uh, for Judge Academy. So that's my disclosure before we get into this part. And for me, um, I am married to Eric Dustin Brown, who will be um, one of the community managers for Judge Academy. Um, I am myself not associated in any official capacity, but again, I do live with someone and and thus have am associated in, in that way. Um, but that's not to say that I have any additional information or or anything like that. Um, but I am essentially, I, I, I acknowledge that I am speaking from a something like a, a place of privilege in that I have somebody directly that I can talk to and I have a little bit more context for some of the people involved and I, and I have a little bit more, I guess, trust for some of these people involved and, and I know that that can influence how I look at it. Right. We're both, we're both friends with Nicolette as well. So, mm-hmm. so uh, just to give a little bit of, of the, and this probably could be its own episode, but right. it won't, it won't be, but some of the, uh, the PC background. So like we said in the announcement, it was uh, February. We had just announced that PC applications were up, or we were looking for the you know selection committee. We were going to form a selection committee to find the next PC. Mm-hmm. And Watsi comes in and says, "Like, hey, can you can you hold that for a little bit?" Um, right. So about two weeks later, they're like, "All right, here's the deal," and they inform us that they are, as we said in the announcement, altering their relationship with the judge program. What that basically means is, at the time, it was you know uh, no more contracts. Um, and, and so you're, you're left in a state of wondering, okay, what's next? What's, what's next? And there's, there's a lot of implications beyond that. Uh, so we started, you know, having some internal discussions. We started looking at, uh, nonprofits. Obviously we wanted to be a, a charity because we wanted to be able to accept donations uh, well, anyone can can accept donations. You just can't accept a tax deductible gift. Well, as a nonprofit, right? Um, so, so here was here was the thing. One of the things that we found that that hasn't come up on any of the the AME stuff was if you formed a like the nonprofit that that seemed to suit us best was I don't remember whether it was a C six or a C seven, but it was like a trade you know trade organization or something like that. And something those, that is structured more like a union? Uh, no. Oh, okay. No, this is just a, a group of people that, like, help us all out. So so unions were, like, almost off the table from the get-go. Pretty immediately. Right. Uh, and the reason for that is the timeline to get a union working, a national union, like, forget mm-hmm. international, but just U.S. only. Right. Was years and a solution and so, was needed. So that was scrapped. 
I mean, almost immediately. Yeah, like that makes perfect like, sense. First off, one one thing that that all the PCs agreed on was we wanted a global solution. You know, we didn't want the U.S. judge program and the Canada judge program and the Spanish judge program. We wanted the judge program, and it was looking like, yeah, maybe we could do it in the U.S. and maybe a few other countries, but they were all going to be separate. That that does not accomplish the intended goal, <laughs> right? But it it didn't it didn't accomplish the separate goal, and there was just you know the time the timeline just didn't support figuring that out. The cost didn't you know, and then uh, we were we again we were looking at you know we were writing business plans and we were figuring things out. And we were looking at like what we were gonna oh uh, the the organization that I talked about uh, I was saying that there was a like a seven or a, a six or a seven. Uh, the organization number was like the the group of tradesmen or tradespersons. Uh, mm-hmm. There was a restriction on the amount of money you could get from non due sources, um, which and, was and that quickly re- it became unrealistic. It didn't. It, uh, I don't necessarily know. We were, we were sitting there like like obviously our goal was well we well, we didn't want any dues, you know, but it was looking like well we were going to need you know. Fifty seventy five dollars based on our estimates, and we were like spitballing things super low. You were giving giving a very rough low low ball estimate. Yeah, right. Um, you know, like like here's here's the thing. Turns out, turns out lawyers are a lot more expensive than you think they are. Uh, at least the good ones. Um, right, right. So and then just like storing and shipping and warehouses and then people. Uh, you know, it 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 just it just became like we were we were anyway. Yeah. <laughs> what what <laughs> the, we found the, out, um, get, without without getting into the the the, the super nitty gritty stuff, we found out that Tim was working was also working on us uh, a solution. We asked him if he would talk to us. Absolutely. Contacted him. I had this was this was me specifically. Had a two hour conversation with him. You know, taking notes, asking questions. Uh, sent those results over to the PC. One of the things that we found was he was running into like the exact same problems that we were running into. He was hitting the same walls at the same time. Right. And basically he was coming up to the same, same conclusions. Um, Which has got to be simultaneously very reassuring and also very frustrating to be like, maybe, maybe this person has, has the answer we've been looking for only to find that. It's this, right. that right. you were right all along. Yeah. Uh, so um, in that regard, basically the, the big difference between Tim was planning and what we were going to have to do was he had this this vision for a multi-game, multi-domain plan where it could we could get in on the ground floor for you know, esports and, and change things up because a lot of the logistic skills of running a large event are the same, regardless mm-hmm. of it's Pokemon or I don't know if they still do Yu-Gi-Oh, but uh, <laughs> somebody uh, does Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah, probably some people do Yu-Gi-Oh. Um, and so having having that having that be positioned so that that judges with these skills could do other things was really just bigger sounding than what we were planning. Like we, it's not. It's not just a direct new, like sort of replacement. It's it's plus. There's there's magic, and you still get to judge, and you still get to do that. But there's also 
another potential avenue to explore. Right. And we were, we were also looking at, uh, looking at some of the problems like testing. Okay. People ask the question, well, well, can't you just use all the questions from, from judge apps? The answer is no, you can't use any of them. And the question why, why, why can't you use any of them is because who, who owns them? And, and that's, I mean, to, to sort of jump into how I'm feeling about everything. I think that's one of the benefits of what we're going to be like something we're going to get from moving into this new structure is that there's a real organization that that sort of owns that property and real faces that you can work with and it's not just some sort of nebulous who is it like nobody nobody even a lot of judges don't know like what the judge program is and there's a lot of players who are like oh I'm going to report you to the DCI and like nobody has an idea of what the judge program is. And now <laughs> right. we know th this gives, gives a real structure behind all of that. Right. The, the judge, the, ju the judge program has been, I heard someone describe it as three kids in an overcoat, like trying to pretend to be an adult. Yeah. Yeah. And Th that, that sums it up reasonably well. It's, it's a little, it's a little demeaning, but at the same time, it's, it's got enough, of truth in it that I got to be amused by it. Um, so anyway, the nonprofit for profit thing came about right towards the end of April. I want to say where it, it became, it became clear to, to us also the, the PCs that, that a for profit or a nonprofit wasn't going to, wasn't going to work. So it was like a, a last minute audible, into a new different system. Know that Tim talked a little bit about what the timeline looks like, but it is, it all had to happen very, very fast. Yeah. And when things have to make, when things have to happen fast, you have to make unilateral decisions. And sometimes you need to acknowledge that you're going to pivot after the fact and things aren't, yeah. but, you'd rather have something set up to keep the community together than... Going into going into this, just my 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 personal thoughts and, and Brogan, you please please share yours. Is I, I think the Judge Academy is a net positive. Like it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't necessarily feel that way with everyone because th there's a very visceral reaction to hundred dollars when before I paid nothing. Right. Um, I mean, I I feel very similarly. I think it is overall going to be. Good, and I think I think everybody needs to make their own decisions as far as what judging is to them. If they want to continue working wherever they're working and not worry about Judge Academy and just do their thing, that's fine. If you want to be part of Judge Academy, if you like, I Tim talked a lot about um, wanting to pay people for what they do, um, and I think the judge program for so long has survived off of the kindness of people who want to help and are, are volunteering their time and energy to make the people around them better. And that's, it's awesome that people can do that, but I don't like seeing good people be put in positions where they're doing things because they feel obligated to do them. Because if they look at it and say, what's going to happen if I don't do it, that shouldn't happen. Um, and I, I do think it's going to be better. They have staff. They, they, the organization can figure out their needs as far as what 
they what they're able to pay people for what they're going to, and I don't know anything at all about what that structure is going to look like, but there is the capacity to do that. And there was not before. Um, and, and I really, I don't want, and I know it's, I know it's inevitable. I don't want anyone to listen to what we're saying here and think that, that we're just, we're corporate shills who are here to do nothing but talk about, how good this is going to be because there are going to be struggles and nothing is going to be perfect when things first get started. And I know that Tim and Nicolette asked to come back on and talk to us and hold them accountable. And I would love to do that. Um, so please like give us a chance, give them a chance. I, I, I think things are going to be better. Right. And going, going to this, like I, I had never interacted with Tim before this situation or mm-hmm. I say the situation, but this series of lemony snicket, unfortunate <laughs> events. Um, so, but I talked, I, you know, had lots of talks with him. He's very, very passionate about things. Uh, uh, he understands a lot of the problems, uh, very, he has, a, he has an intuitive understanding of the problems and, you know, he had a lot of really good, strong goals that are still in uh, baked into the Judge Academy. Nicolette, I can't think of another person in the program I trust more to do this kind of thing. Like, she's going to be overseeing the Judge program mostly. You know, people talk about, oh, Tim's going to do whatever. He's going to be mostly concerned with bringing in other uh, games under this under the umbrella. So Nicolette's going to be m- mostly running the show from a Judge perspective. And she's talented, she's caring, she's able to see the big picture, she's able to get into the weeds, and she's going to kill herself for the judges. She's she's going to to put put her all into it, and and that's what we need. No, nobody says any like like Nicolette is is you know you you might be able to say like oh Brian did so and so and such and such and have like a negative interaction with me or a negative interaction with Ricardo or Johanna or any of the PCs nobody has negative interactions with Nicolette <laughs> she's like, a good nobody. person and right. she she's good at what she does and i i i urge people to look to the people they trust and to look to the people that the people you trust trust even if you don't know them personally because there's probably a good reason that they trust those people. And I I trust a lot of the people that are going to be involved in this. Yeah. So so some of some of the legitimate concerns like there's the dues are really high. Mhm. Um and and at the same time this this is kind of one of the funny thing about about the the dues. So on one hand you've got people saying this is ungodly high. And then there's other group of people. Well, what's preventing people from just becoming, you know, paying their hundred dollars and just becoming level one just just for the foils? So there's there's people saying, "Wow, what a value!" And there's others <laughs> saying, "I'm not getting anything for my money." And, and it, I see, I I understand both like, what is bringing both sides of that to that conclusion, right? But at the same time, they're diametrically opposite mm-hmm. of each other. Um. And, you know, so, so I, I strongly suspect that after the first year, the, the dues model will be, will be looked at again, because it can't not be. There's, there's the dues issue. Um, there is uh, a lot of people talked about on 
Reddit and the AMAs, the various AMAs reg- are, are regarding transparency. Mm-hmm. And yeah, more transparency would be great. Um, and, I mean, yeah, there, there's there's always going to be uh, I want to know as much as I can about where my money is going and what's going on and how and making sure people are making wise choices. And at the same time, I know I know it's a business. I know that there are just going to be some things that I'm not going to know. And I also know that the people who work there, they're they're people. I'm not expecting them to say this is how much I'm making. This is they're I have to respect their individual like their individual choices, you know? Yeah, so I think they said and I'll go back and check this and edit this out if if it if they didn't actually say this. Uh but I thought one of the one of the Reddit AMAs was uh that they would have like an independent that they were looking into having like an independent auditor come in and take a look. I think you're correct about that. Okay. You also remember hearing something about that? Yes. Okay. So I definitely think that that's a good idea. You should absolutely do that. Um, I think that will go a long way to, uh, helping assuage fears of the reasonable people for the non-reasonable people. They will go, well, how was that independent auditor selected? Right. You know, and there, there, are, there are always going to be you. You can stare at anything and find new ways to question it if you're trying to find new ways to question it. The, I mean, this this could go on much longer, but I think at this point we're just kind of rehashing. Oh yeah, we uh, could we could express our thoughts on every aspect of every piece of this and and everything that we've talked about, um, and also try to fill in gaps where possible and. We're we're not going to be able to answer qu- every question, and I know that that um, Judge Academy has done an AMA, and CFBE has done an AMA, and there's there's a lot of and there's the FAQ. There there's a lot of information out there, and there's I I hope that if there's a question that you still want answered, that that you can find that answer, or that you feel comfortable trying to get that answer um yep. but overall i i think it's going to be for the best and i think we've got a group of people who genuinely care trying to come in and help yeah I, and, that, and that basically basically boils down to it i really think i want to a lot of people are looking at this and they're seeing it as a step backwards or or something something along those lines just not as good as what we have that it's it's judge program minus in some way yeah it's yeah. it's it's judge it's judge program minus in some ways and uh yeah in in a way it is because what the what the minus is is you could say either the control or the perception of control uh and being able to like define your own destiny i don't and and i i, I get that um that was one of one of the the questions that that, that we the PCs we, we we talked about because right now if we you know decide that you know we want a certain thing in in judge apps is we we talk to bears uh, to Paul and you know go back and forth about whether or not it can or can't be done and then it, you know it, it happens um, so in in that regard it is it is different uh, yet at the same time. We have people whose it's their full-time jobs now. 
right to do things so having having a a task just kind of like sit for four months or five months because someone doesn't have time to get to it because everything's volunteer Mm -hmm. uh, isn't going to happen anymore yeah Uh, people will likely be able to get things addressed in a much more timely fashion right there's there's actual real consequences to not living up to expectations mm-hmm. as opposed to just like, ah, oh, what do you expect? It's a volunteer organization. Mm-hmm. So I, I get the concern that, that it, it feels like minus. I, I will say that this is far, far better than the future that could have been. I, I, in, in that there was nothing in the realm of all possible futures. This this is a pretty reasonable future. This is this is a this is a very very reasonable future. <laughs> I agree. Um, I think that is maybe why I can be I can have a, a a positive a more positive take on the Judge Academy because I'm not looking strictly at the Delta from what is okay. You're and you're, I think, you're, I th- you're you're I mean you're seeing the. I think you're looking at the overall Delta, but also the individual things happening inside of that. I think giving giving uh, Tim and Nicolette and Kyle and Eric and Pompeo, um, I say his last name because I don't remember his first, um, <laughs> a, a chance... Uh, they're they're bringing on talented people. Like the the community managers are, are a great bunch of people. Uh, the ones that I've met, I have high opinions of. And uh, the first year is going to have some bumps and some hiccups. They're literally trying to do something in four months that we took twenty. They're trying to replace something in four months that we built in twenty years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it is no small task. I think that everyone involved is very receptive to hearing, hey, this is what happened. This is what we can do moving forward. And I think that is what is going to be a a huge um, point in their favor. Yeah. Um, And and we've been talking about this a little, a little doom and gloomy, I think. Um, And I'm, I'm not trying to, to do that. It's, I think it is important to, I don't know. I think a little bit of, um, somberness may be warranted because it's a serious thing and it's a big change and it's going to affect a lot of people in a lot of ways. Um, but I don't, (laughs) we're, we're not losing judging and we're not losing the community. That's all still going to be here just because it's in a different capacity. Doesn't mean that we're not, we can't still all work together. Right. And, and, we, I, th- I agree. I think we are talking about this a little, a little doom and gloomy, and I, I think in part that is our attempt to empathize with people who might be extremely upset about this mm-hmm. and to take things seriously. Because when you're uh, upset about something or you're you're mad that that uh, the thing, things are changing, the last thing you want to hear is like some you know spirit fingers cheerleader coming in. You know, telling you that everything's going to be great and ready. Okay, give me a J. You know. <laughs> we we do not need. We we're not trying to d- diminish anyone's concerns here. Right. So we we're we're keeping this as a, as you said a somber tone out of out of respect for the people that 
that you know feel feel strongly that there are there are serious issues um that being said ultimately this is a this is a positive step and i think maybe not this upcoming year but 3 years 5 years down the road the judge program as we understand it right now is going to be much much healthier than it is currently i agree yep all right, you feel you feel good to sign off. I feel good on our very very long episode on this absolutely monstrosity of a. I don't even know if it'll upload. We'll find out. <laughs> we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Well, we might have to break this into an A and a B. Well, all of that being said, um, I really really appreciate how much uh, everyone has listened to our very our long episode and Brian and uh, Tim and Nicolette for making this episode happen because it's, it's an important episode. Um, but if you like the show, if you like listening to us talk, if you like learning more about judging and some things that go into it that you might not have thought about before, uh, feel free to check us out. Uh, our website is at judgecast.com. You can follow at judgecast on Twitter. You can check us out at facebook.com slash judgecast, or you can shoot us an email at judgecast at gmail.com. Uh, again, thanks to everyone for being here. My name is Brogan King, and I keep it fun. I'm Brian Prillman, and I keep it... I, oh, boy. Um, I, I keep it... <laughs> Sleepy. Uh, somber. Pan- panicky is because I got put on the spot. I completely forgot that this... Because we didn't have a normal beginning, I 